Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. friends and welcome back to the Sword of Truth podcast, the alcohol-fueled chapter-by-chapter reread of the Sword of Truth series with a dragon's egg full of craft brew on the side. I'm Jade. And I'm Nate. And on this episode, we are flying into chapter 68 of Stone of Tears. Heck yeah, we are. <laughs> Though you should never drink and fly. Yeah, but if the dragon's flying and it's not drinking, then... You might get a pass. Like a limousine, like a chauffeur license situation. Yeah, you're just telling it where to go. (laughs) I'm in. But before we take our dragon ride, I just wanted to remind you guys that there is still time to enter in the giveaway for the Children of Dahara novel. Plenty of time. (laughs) (laughs) All you got to do is send us an email or um, hit us up on the text, literally anywhere, letting us know something that Terry Goodkind gave to you. It's still kind of a theme from Christmas, but we're rolling with it, even though it's almost February. Um, <laughs> send one of those to us. We'll send you a message letting you know that we've received your entry, and then we will do that uh, the first episode in February will be the drawing. Yes. And we will be doing that on air so you guys will find out who wins when we do. It'll be exciting and thrilling and great. Y- yes. <laughs> <laughs> and talking about that book, it's going to be available for you guys February 4th. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your favorite indie local bookstores, all those places you can pre-order it now. You really should. It's a really good book. We have it. We've seen it. It's amazing. Either way, you should get your hands on it. And we are definitely going to get our hands on at least one more copy. So with that, we can get into this chapter. So the chapter opens with Richard seeing the green boundary surrounding the People's Palace as he approaches, riding on Scarlet. Okay, so Scarlet moves super fucking fast. I guess we've established this now. Also... And she's stealthy. Yes. Some people commented that, and they brought up the fact that Scarlet had mentioned that she could, like, land in the middle of Michael's camp without anybody knowing, and I guess the fact that she, like, snuck up on Richard those couple times, and he didn't really notice either, like... The whole group of people in the last chapter she snuck up on. Yeah, yeah. So, it's established that she's fucking stealthy and fucking fast. (laughs) Well, I think, like, 
dragons fly with assistance of magic, right? They would have to because physically a giant lizard with wings I don't think could fly. Maybe I'm stepping out of my... <laughs> I don't know, man. It's Yeah, it's magic. I'm I just sure. figured they'd be too heavy. Like, to support a creature that big, you need solid bones. And if you have solid bones, you're not going to fly. I think there's dragonology, and I don't know it. So... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So another book I need to buy then. That's fine. That's fine. We'll work on it. Get back to you. Yeah. So as they're approaching the People's Palace, Odette... Down there, the pinky-less lady is shooting lightning at Richard and Scarlet, and she ends up hitting Scarlet's left wing, which is not good. I just had the thought that she's pinky-less. She's not fancy at all. She can't stick her pinky out. Anyways, that was random. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, how terrifying to be on a dragon, which, I don't know, to me, much like a heavy-ass metal plane, it's not really supposed to be up there, but it is. (laughs) <laughs> and it's heavy, and if something goes wrong, it's coming down. I get plain vibes from this. <laughs> like <laughs> like a got, lot. Yeah, you got hit in the wing, and it's like... <laughs> she's got a little puff of smoke coming out of her tail yeah. or something as she's going down. Yeah, but she's like flapping furiously, trying to right herself. and Yeah, it's a living thing, too. So yeah. that, that's, there's also that. The, the gravity that normally sits you on her while she flies, right? They were talking about that, how she'll swoop in and you just kind of get planted in your seat like the motorcycle. That's not happening right now. No. So she's going down and he's just frantically clawing at whatever he can grab, which is probably not a lot. No. Because it's... You don't put a saddle on a dragon. (laughs) Although, a strap would probably come in handy. But he doesn't actually claw around for very long. He uses like his his thigh muscles, because he ends up shooting an arrow down at Odette. Right. From where the lightning is coming from, he has Scarlet, like, use her her fire breath so he can see where Odette is, and then the lightning comes up again. Scarlet gets hit again. It's insanity, and he, like, he fires the arrow as soon as the target comes to him, it says. So he had his eyes on Odette for a split second. But then he can't see her because Scarlet's flying around all crazy. There's lightning. I don't know why I picture it storming, even though <laughs> it's just more dramatic that way. But like, yeah, the green boundary, I think, gives it like a eerie, a like, very Ooh. ominous vibe. Yeah. yeah. But then the lightning cuts off. So the arrow found its mark. Yeah. I like how Terry gives that to you from Richard's point of view, because you don't know for just a split second. Did he get it? Well, it's Richard. Of course he got it. But you don't know that for a second. Like, maybe there could be more lightning. You don't know. Yeah. I mean, it could have struck her, but not like struck her down, you know, like just clipped her or something. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be a lethal blow, but either way, she's going down. Like, she's not in real control of the descent. Yeah, I guess it, it just makes it that much more impressive that, that he did. It was the lethal blow. So him and Scarlet land. He does a real quick, hey, you okay? She's okay. He heads it. The first thing Richard does inside the People's Palace is kill 15 soldiers by himself. Yeah, and it makes a comment about how he doesn't know if these guys attacked him because they knew who he was or because they didn't. Right. Well, it, yeah, at first he figures maybe they didn't know who I was. 
or maybe they did. Right. Like, it's just cynical thinking, but we don't really get an answer because he killed him right away. But, like, logically, okay, any dude coming into a building swinging a sword like that, like, he just came in on a dragon, (laughs) fucking killed the sister, and he's just coming through there blazing with his fucking sword out. Yeah, he's the enemy. So the guards did exactly what they were supposed to do. Yeah. I mean, they, they very well may not have been... Doing like they they may have been working for Dark and Roll. I don't know that, but I'm just saying like realistically, if you saw some dude like d- did they pass out a picture of Richard? I don't think they did. So I think the point is that we didn't hear any words. Yeah, we have no idea if they're like, "Hey, who are you?" And he's like, "Fuck you! I'm gonna kill you all." <laughs> or if they just came at him swinging, because if they did that, yeah, they're dead. Like, there's doesn't matter if they made a mistake at that point. They intended to kill him. He can't let that happen. And now we know that Richard is like a level 15, at least, sword fighter. Yeah, I'm just saying, I think for both sides, um, it probably would have seemed aggressive. Like, he he was coming running in there pretty aggressively. So I feel like it would have seemed like he was a threat (laughs) to the other side. Well, yeah, a dude like Richard running up on you would definitely put you on your guard. Yeah, and then... You don't fuck around with a giant guy like that with a magic (laughs) sword. Like, no. Right, and then vice versa, he would see them being like, oh, fuck, and be like, all right, now I'm going to kill you, so... (laughs) (laughs) But after he kills the 15 soldiers, six more Sith... Also a problem. Like, that's never good, right? If you see a group of six... No, 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 and they all for. are running towards him with her agiles out, and he he knows he can't use the sword on them, so he draws his knife instead. Because the last time he saw any of the Mord Sith was not a good time, and he told everybody that he wanted all their shit burned, and it was like, they're done. He did not want any of the Mord Sith being a thing anymore, so he automatically assumes this is a bad time. Yeah, well, that was his last command. He's supposed to be listening to him if... He's the Lord Raw. That's their job. But now he sees them. They're running at him, and he's assuming they're going to attack him. The last time he attacked a Mord Sith with his sword, a.k.a. Denna, yeah. he was captured by her. So he, he knows that that's not an option, and he draws his knife, which is a obvious disadvantage. <laughs> yeah. But it's the only thing you can do, and he was totally prepared to do it. But the leader, Kara... Here she is, officially. Hey, uh, soft spoiler alert, Kara's a big player. Yeah. So. So hi. So hi, Kara. (laughs) (laughs) You have blue eyes, and hello. You're a character in a thing. We like Kara. Anyways, she says that we are here to help the Lord Rawl, but Richard doesn't believe her, because obvious. (laughs) She's a Mord Sith. They obviously didn't listen to him when he was here the last time. They didn't, like, burn the leather, get rid of the Ajeels, none of that. Yeah, he's like, basically, the fact that you exist means that you don't follow me because I said you don't, so... Specifically said, (laughs) not this. But she explains that they still have them because, hey, you freed us. We're not slaves anymore, so we can do what we want, right? And what we want to do is protect you, Elbow and the only jab. way we know how is with the Agils. Right? So, like... We can do what we want. Uh, right, Richard? Right? Because <laughs> you said last time, remember? Yeah. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, all right, so 
leave me alone. That's my order. She's like, yeah, I can't do that. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry. We're, we're choosing to keep you safe. So it doesn't really matter if we have to break your orders, even though your orders are the only orders we will listen to. If you give us an order that prevents us from keeping you safe, all bets are off because we're here to keep you safe. Right. Which right away adds a dynamic. You know, the last Dark and Raw would never have allowed that. No. They got pretty, they were like, hell yeah, we have rights. They got comfortable real fast. But that's good. Like, that's a good thing that they're in that mindset instead of the the crazy mindset that we knew they were in in the first book. Richard has taken that whole group of women to a, a whole nother level. Yeah, a whole different level of devotion than yeah. they were at before. Because and, and then she proves her story by whispering in Richard's ear, it's the toasted toad's truth, while he's like holding his knife to her throat. Because <laughs> again, does not trust her. Yeah, and, and she does not understand where this is coming from. She just knows that it's a, it's a secret code that General Trimac heard from Zed. Right. Trimac said to, like, not tell anybody else the code. This is, like, Richard's special thing. He'll get it. Right, and it, and he does. It It is enough. It is effective enough to get him to be like, okay, you got Zed to say the thing that I... Okay, all right. If Zed blessed <laughs> it, then I will begrudgingly be okay with it. But, yeah, again, he just wants them to get the fuck out of the way but they're like, no, you're going the wrong way. If you go this way, you're about to have a rough time. You have to go the way that we <laughs> tell you we know where we're going. So eventually he follows them towards the Garden of Life, stepping over bodies as they, like, clear the way. That reminds me so much of South Park, where he's like, if you pizza when you're, gonna, you're supposed to french fry, you're going to have a bad time, okay? <laughs> he's talking about, uh, I think they're skiing. I... Didn't watch a lot of You don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, no. (laughs) I was all alone on that one. (laughs) I was like, damn it. This is funny. Why isn't she? That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. To be fair, just hearing what I just said probably isn't funny at all. But if you were to watch that episode of South Park, you would laugh instantly. I'm sure other people probably did. I'm probably in the minority on on not knowing what you're talking about. That's that's okay. okay. Ah! (laughs) So the Mord Sith end up leading him towards the Garden of Life, and they meet up with the leader, General Trimac, and the first file is the Ring of Steel around the Lord Rawl. So this is his number one, number one dude. Right. Top soldier. (laughs) He knows that Richard is going into the Garden of Life to do some magical sorcery shit that he doesn't understand. And it's his job to be the steel against steel. So he's like, hey, we are going to keep this area clear while you go in there and do your thing. Yeah. The reason this is important is because as all of this is going on, there are like troops of the Daharans who have broken away from Richard's rule, essentially, and they're still either following Dark and Rawl, or they're just, like, they're agents of the Keeper. Yeah, I think that they're pledged to Dark and Rawl, like, they were his men, and now he's back. So So they're just following him. Yeah, I mean, he's a ghost, but he's here, so. It's strange. We lose a lot of time at the People's Palace that we don't know what happened, because the last time we left there, 
Zed was there, right? He was like being chased around by the Screelings. And then he was like, okay, there's problems and we all have to depart, right? Yeah, they all took off. Richard left the soldiers there with instructions to guard the Garden of Life. Like, don't let anybody in there. And like the Mordseth, he told, like, disband them, take away the Aegeals. They're no longer a thing. But other than that, life kind of went on as normal. Apparently they repaired the doors, right? Because those were smashed down. <laughs> yeah. Fixed the door. <laughs> that, that was one of the things I noted right away. They mentioned the doors like three times. And I was like, those doors were fucking on the floor <laughs> last time we saw them. Richard's just got a thing with breaking down doors now. He yeah. can't help it. Every door in his house is going to creak when he gets old. <laughs> Every single one. <laughs> so, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Also, like, we just don't know how, like, Dark and Rawls' spirit, did he just, like, ghost his way up in there? And then also one day they looked in the Garden of Life and were like, oh, some shit's going down. Or, like, I'm just curious how shit unfolded at, at the palace. Like when he we appeared to them for the first time? Yeah. He showed up at mess hall and was like, hey guys, what's up? Whoa! <laughs> yeah, right. Whoa, you're a dead dude! And him and Sister Odette have been doing some shit in the Garden of Life here for a minute, obviously. And his troops have been following him, so it just... I kind of wish we had a little window into what happened. It probably was like that, because Richard explicitly told those soldiers to not go in there. Nobody is to go in there. So when they were guarding the Garden of Life, they're like... We're not going in there at all. So if Dark and Raw just appeared there, they wouldn't even know. That's true. But, I mean, the doors were knocked down for a long time. I will say that. That's so true. So they had to be able to see in there for a minute, at least. But, okay, I, I can see that, that they maybe wouldn't have realized that anything was different in there, maybe until this, this moment, when things are freaking out. Surprise! All of a sudden, there's a sorceress fucking shooting lightning at the dragon in the sky, and this dude's chopping shit down, and okay, he's going in there. And it's on, yeah. yeah. And all it would really take is for him to send word somehow to the troops that were loyal to him, like, hey, I'm back, fuckers. This is plan A. This is what we're going to do. And they'll fall right in line. So, yeah, naturally, one army starts to attack the other. Odette's doing her magic stuff, whatever it is they're working on, which we know is opening the veil. Yeah. Probably put that boundary around the palace, it seems like, to keep people away. Well, I think it might be a shaft of the boundary, like going straight up out of the Garden of Life. So maybe everyone just saw that starting to glow and they were like, oh no, some stuff's going down. Some shit's in there. <laughs> Like the dark markup in the sky. Hey, look, the other direction. That's a good direction, too. <laughs> so inside the garden, Richard sees a circle, a white sorcerer's sand, and a screen bone. Not a screen bone, the screen bone. The one with all the... Well, yeah, it's sitting inside the sand in the corner of it, and the sand has all of these magical symbols drawn into it, which we know that's what Odette was working on. When he saw her in the vision. And also, this is the bitch who stole it from Addie's house. Yes, that's where it went. He also sees the altar with the three boxes of Ordens sitting on it. They're black. They just, they gotta look so badass. <laughs> but from the open box is a shaft of green light. That's obviously where the green boundary light's coming yeah. from. It's not surrounding the palace. It's a shaft of light. But there's also 
these blue, red, and yellow swirls. It's magical AF. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sparkles galore. <laughs> this is spirit finger shit, guys. And I just, the three colors that were mentioned there are at play a little bit later. Well, one of them already, but there's like yellow lightning that was being shot at Richard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I believe that blue and red come up just a little bit later. I don't know if they're supposed to be intertwined or if it meant anything at all. I just noticed that. Oh, you were just like, symbolism, I'm paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit's lining up here. Hey, Nate, you know what else lines up? No, you're not going to get me. All right, what? A beer break. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Why don't you tell our fine folks what you're drinking tonight there, J.D.? Oh, well, you know what? Actually, we found one more of the Brewdog pack, like, way in the back of the fridge. Jade was super excited. <laughs> Actually, though, this one's a a lager. It's a lost lager. Mm. It's a dry hopped pilsner. So, yeah, I know what those words mean. So, I mean, <laughs> I might I not be. I know some of those words. It's not an IPA, but it, it might be better, right? There's some stuff on here about unicorns being the national animal of Scotland. That's true. Um, yeah. Okay. So we're going to try this right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, no, it's not an IPA. It's a lager, you said. I was like, yeah. oh, it happened, you guys. <laughs> it is a unicorn. Yeah, you know what? I can get down to that. That is kind of like an IPA, but not. <sighs> it's not so extra. I guess. I'm not sure what I'm trying to say. It is like an IPA turned down just a little bit. The bitterness is is less than You there. can still taste the hops, though. They're yeah. right there. It may not be at the forefront, but, but like, it's okay. No, I'd drink that. Yeah, it's like a million times easier to swallow. Like, literally to swallow. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. The, you know what's really funny, though, is it's called the Lost Lager, and it was in the back of the fridge. <laughs> Lost. <laughs> so. That's pretty amazing. Cheers, guys. <laughs> we'll be back right after this. Hey, guys. Nate from All The Things, and I want to talk to you a little bit about Four Acre Freedom. So Four Acre Freedom is a family-owned and operated one-stop shop for everything that you're probably already looking for. They've got vinyl-laid shirts, they've got hoodies, and don't forget your beer koozies. Those are, like, essential. We have some, actually, with the All The Things logo on it, and they look pretty sick, just saying. They've got custom-made rings and jewelry, which Jade and I also have, and they're fucking badass. We got these ones, you guys, you guys, it's like stainless steel, but then there's a core. Jade's has like meteorite in it. I think mine's got like dinosaur bone in it and they glow and it's like, they're fucking cool. <laughs> I can't do it justice with it, with a microphone. You guys really have to see it again. We are going to post these on our Facebook page. so You guys can get a better look at them. They're awesome. He can do custom woodwork and signs like you want a badass grace or a quote or even like a picture of something from the book. He can do that. He's got a thing that just like it'll etch it all out on the wood real fucking cool. You get exactly what you want every single time. He can do leather work. You want a custom sheath for your knife or perhaps your sword of truth. 
you need a new belt, he can do that too. I mean, you could put those two things together and probably make a scabbard. Just saying. And also, they have farm-to-table bread, candies, and confections, which are delicious. I have tried them. Every Look, look. here's the thing. Everything they do is of the best quality. And it's all literally handmade. This is not that kind of shop that just buys a bunch of shit cheap online and then you get cheap stuff for a little bit more. No. The value is there. The quality is there. Everything they do is awesome. And you should check them out for yourself. They're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, you can check them out at fouracrefreedom.com. High quality, handmade. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And we are back. Drink in hand and ready for the face-off between Dark and Rawl and Richard. D-Rawl versus R-Rawl. Head to head. <laughs> In the black corner, <laughs> wearing the white trunks. I'm not going to continue that because I, <laughs> I don't have all the details. I'm just like, it's the the one guy. Let's be real. Dark and Raw probably doesn't have any goals on at all. Oh, gosh. <laughs> he just got all greased up and is wearing that, like, the leotard thing the wrestlers wear. Yeah, as a spirit. He's all spirit nude over there. <laughs> spirit nude. That's right. Oh, my gosh. That's right. No, he probably is. <laughs> I don't think it's mentioned anything about his clothes. I don't know. I don't remember, but that's how I picture him. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. So... As happens before many a good face-off, the bad guy asks the good guy to join his side. You know, totally not like Star Wars. <laughs> In fact, he offers him immortality and, like, everything that goes with that. But naturally, Richard's like, why the fuck would I want that? If you win, life's going to be shitty. I don't want to live that forever. That sucks. That's a really bad prize. The bad guys are always like... Don't you want to just live forever? That's all we want. We just want, like, never-ending power and forever the same thing. Like, right, exactly. Right? <laughs> Help me destroy the world. You can live forever. Mm, pass. <laughs> and Richard, he's not interested. He's like, yeah, what else you got? <laughs> At that point, Dark and Raw is like, hey, we can save Kaylin, man. And he shows him a vision of Kaylin being beheaded with her hair all chopped off. And he reminds him, Scarlet is fucked. She cannot take you to Indril. You're not going to make it. Yeah, you don't have time. Which I kind of already assumed at this point, but he, I guess he had mentioned like in the beginning of this chapter, like it's, it's like dawn, man. If I just knock this thing out real quick, I can make it there. Yeah, it was, it's early dawn light, I think is what it says. Something like that. Yeah. In the first paragraph of the book. It is the very beginning of the day. He has all day. And it is not a problem for Scarlet to make it there if she could, in fact, fly, but she can't. Right. <laughs> so Dark and Rawl, right, in offering to save Kaylin, he gives Richard a lot more to think about. Like, 
Would Kaylin hate me for making such a jealous choice for both of us? Would she even enjoy a life like that? Probably not. And yeah. like knowing Kaylin wouldn't want that, he says no again. He's he's throwing the the last chance he has to live a life with Kaylin, albeit probably not a very happy one. Not that he wouldn't be happy with her, just like if life sucks because everything's ruled by an evil bastard, then whatever. But he's throwing his last chance at that away. Yeah. Showing, you know, that he knows that the world of life is more important than Kaylin. It even says that he thought about his childhood, which means that Prelate's plan to, like, get him to appreciate the world of life actually fucking worked, by right. the way. But yeah, it, it shows that he is having that kind of test of pain that he was watching Warren go through before, where, like, you're choosing the fate of the world versus your love, or, you know, just, like, what's what's best for everyone versus what's best for you. A selfless act, you know? Right. And this, I mean, this came up in Wizards' first rule, too. When they all first got together, there was this, I don't know, three to four chapter arc where they're all swearing loyalty and kind of be like, well, I would do this for you no matter what for me. And they all kind of go around the circle and, and acknowledge that to the other two. I'm talking about Richard, uh, Kalen, and Zed. Yeah. But here... Richard is making that choice to sacrifice himself for everything else when it's just him and the bad guy. Like, he's really not doing it just to show Kalen, like, yeah, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. It's yeah. not just lip service. He means it, and he came to that decision by himself. Right. Now, I will say, now, considering it before when he was stuck at the palace and we were talking about how it's kind of hopeless, right? If he's stuck there for 300 years, there's nothing to really propel him to go on. I guess the difference in that situation and this is, number one, uh, this is like whole world. <laughs> like, literally the lives of everybody <laughs> versus just his happiness. Also, that, like, okay, so if, if he were to have been, like, depressy and suicidal not that i think he should have been but if he would have been at the palace of prophet like that wouldn't have hurt anybody else you know what i mean him feeling like there's nothing out there that really is motivating him to go on without his friends and family there is different than him deciding that the world still needs to go on without kaylin in it and it helps that he's still going to be able to see his friends and family now without Kaylin. Oh, right. But just, I guess, um, the, the two situations are different because I feel like it was much less of a motivation for him when he knew he was going to be stuck for 300 years. Like, the world of life was still going to continue to go on, but his friends and family weren't going to be there. That's just, like, sad. Not, like... Why would you want to keep going in that world? But, there was no motivation for Richard in that point. Right. To want to say, like, the world's important, but even if I save the world, it's going to be shitty. And now he's looking at it where he can save the girl, you know, or save the world. Yes. And in that promise that he made, because it was a promise, uh, is, uh, like, it's being called. But yes, okay, so Richard... Eventually says, no, I'm not going to fucking do that. Kalen would not want that. And he tosses a little bit of black sorcerer sand into the circle of white sorcerer sand because he has a little tiny pouch that he took way back when. 
and it works. Well, I kind of think, you know, black sorcerer's sand is expensive as hell. We know uh, literally the amount that he probably tossed onto the white sorcerer's sand were kingdoms, plural. Yeah, I, I think it was like even a pinch, too. I don't even think he like tossed it, which was like smart because yeah, I could serve that shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. But like, yeah, I would I would have that on me at all times. Yeah. You never know what you're going to use it for or like. Hi, I would like to buy this country. <laughs> There's a grain of sand. <laughs> also, how like how satisfying is that to be the good guy coming in after the bad guy just spent hours and hours and hours laying out this <laughs> fucking spell and just be like, bloop. <laughs> he's stomping on his sandcastle. That's what he's doing. <laughs> oh, I see what you're working on there. Kick. Fuck your <laughs> spell. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The circle turns to blue fire. Richard approaches Dark and Rawl with a stone of tears held out in his hand, like doing the exact thing he's not supposed to be doing, being all like, fuck you. He's threatening him with the stone, and we know that that's a bad move. He was warned in no uncertain terms that he is not supposed to use that stone, And, and he remembers what Warren told him, right? And Richard reconsiders. That would be very, very satisfying. That would be... You know, using it to send Dark and Rawl back to the underworld, but then the Keeper is probably going to get loose, and then all life is dead anyways. But he would have gotten back at Dark and Rawl. But instead of doing that, he hangs it back around his neck, and then he does the super bad... Like, I don't know what it is about Richard finally realizing that he can call things to himself by just holding his hand out, and I thought it was funny because his power is based on need. So he's like, I need that, and it just flies to him. (laughs) I just feel like me, knowing me as well as I do, I would abuse that power every day. (laughs) I'm sure you would. I don't have TV remotes, but like I can change the TV channel with my phone, and it's two feet away, like, eh. (laughs) just float it to me bring me that bag of cheetos i would get so fat oh the cheetos yeah you could just hold your hand out and get one from the store at any time (laughs) (laughs) that would be fantastic anyways moving on so he holds out his hand and the screen bone floats to him while dark and raw begs him to use the stone on him instead he's like consolidating all the things he needs to seal the veil away from Dark and Raw. I got my my stone, I got my bone, and (laughs) you're fucked. See, it it would just be confirmation to me that I was doing the right thing once Dark and Raw started freaking out, because he did. Once once Richard puts the stone back around his neck, Dark and Raw is like, shit, no, 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 put it on me. You gotta gotta kill me with it. Hey! (laughs) And Richard should have been like, ha ha, nope. I know your tricks. Yeah. You fuck with people all the time. You're a terrible person. By the way, wizard's first rule, you have taught me that shit, so I'm not (laughs) falling for it twice. It's only the second book, assholes. (laughs) So it's at this point that Richard has definitely leveled up. He's beyond just calling things to him with his power. Now he holds his hand out and he shoots white and black lightning. I'm sorry, not one hand, from both of his hands. He, like, using additive and subtractive magic in the form of lightning, just, part of me was confused because 
Darkenrall is essentially a ghost or a spirit, and lightning shouldn't really do anything to a spirit because they're not technically here <laughs> on this plane of existence. But I mean, Darkenrall is a spirit from the underworld, and that has to do with subtractive magic. So at the very least, maybe the white lightning didn't do anything to him, but the black lightning certainly did. Well, I also think, number one, Dark and Roll had both sides of the magic, and the boundary was open right there. He was, like, there with the shaft of the underworld. Like, I think... So he's pulling a Ghostbusters. He's just crossing stream. And yeah. And Dark and Roll's in the middle of it, and he just gets obliterated. Yeah, I, I think, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way to put it. Crossing and, streams. And again, Richard's just doing what he has to do, so I don't think we can, like, really analyze it too deeply, because Richard's magic just did what it had to do. That's true. It so, did what was necessary because it was necessary. And that's what was necessary, and that there isn't really... Maybe there's an explanation. I'm sure if there is, one of our wonderful listeners will fill us in, but I yes. just think that there very well might not have been one given because that's just what was needed. On purpose. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree. It adds to the mystique. <laughs> so after he does that, he floats the stone back to the open box of Orden and locks it inside, sealing the keeper in the underworld forever. <laughs> We did it! It was it, it was awesome, but also like, oh. Hold on. <laughs> so this this whole book, this whole book happened when all of the parts were right where they needed to be to prevent this whole situation at the beginning with a conversation that Zed is having with Chase, right? Richard leaves, Zed and Chase are in the Garden of Life trying to figure out what the fuck to do. The stone is there. And, I mean, it, am I the only person that thought Zed? Okay, okay. He didn't do this because he wasn't sure of the consequences. Fair. But, like, take the stone, toss it in the box, close the box, call it a day. If he would have done that, he would have torn the veil because he only has additive. Ah, so, okay, but, yep, there it is. But... What what the what the real answer is here is that Richard should have cooled his jets for like five minutes before he jetted off to go fucking return the kid and and fuck Kaylin and do all that stuff. I didn't really actually, but you know what I mean. Go get married. That was in the plan and, somewhere though. <laughs> yeah, so he should have waited like. Just a hot minute, because if he would have, and the shit would have happened, if this, like he would have seen the stone come out, literally, yeah, he could have grabbed it, plopped, and shut, and we would have literally booked done. Zed, at that point, could have been like, oh, you're having headaches? I can help. Oh. We could have skipped through a lot. <laughs> yeah. The sisters show up, and they could be like, oh, you're not needed. <laughs> <laughs> Kaylin end, end of book, end of series. Kaylin, you're not going to Aiden Drill alone. Done. That's done. <laughs> Solved it nicely. So really, this is all down to Richard just being fucking impatient as hell and fucking causing trouble for but a whole wait. book. Wizard's second rule. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I understand why this book is called The Stone of Tears, 
But I'm also like, he could have gone Wizard's second role. That could have been a thing. I think that was the working title for it. Oh, was it? I'm pretty sure. I mean, it would make perfect sense. That there are some early copies of Wizard's first rule that have Wizard's second rule coming soon, like, listed. Oh, okay. So I believe that's what they were going to call it, and then, I don't know, something happened, and now they called it this. It was probably, and this is totally a guess, it was probably so you could tell the difference a little bit better between what book holds what, instead of just, you know, doing the number thing all the way up. Maybe, too, so they could maybe stand somewhat on their own, because if you picked up Wizard's second rule, you'd probably immediately be like, well, there's the first one. What's the first one? And I gotta start there. And is there a third? Yeah, whereas I picked up Stone of Tears, and I read it, and I was like, oh, okay, maybe I could go back to the first one, and I feel like that technically you could do that with all of them. You'd probably get very confused, but he does go over stuff a lot, especially in the beginning of the books, in order to reorient yourself, so I feel like that was maybe the intention. Gives them each a different title, so if somebody wants to pick it up later, they have the option. Well, it's kind of like how we found him. Yeah. Well, specifically you. You read this was the first book that you read. Yeah. So you're like, oh, oh, the second. Wait, what? It got and then, my hooks. Yeah, and then that was that was history. Yeah, right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it worked. See, their plan worked. <laughs> so after all of this happens, Richard is standing there, having defeated Dark and Rawl, and the Radahan falls off of his neck. This was like was a test of pain. Yeah, he was willing to sacrifice himself. Like you said, it doesn't have to be a physical thing. It's like it's it's an emotional thing, and it's he used a, both sides of his gift. Also, I don't know if that matters. It, I mean, I'm assuming it factored in there somewhere. He became all powerful when he needed to, and the magic was like, "Yep, war wizard, you're good." <laughs> <laughs> and also, like the mark on his chest disappeared, so that leads us to believe that Dark and Rawl is no longer a thing. I think, like we killed so... him before, and then he popped up. Yeah. And now he effectively killed him again. So at the very least, he's in the underworld. Well, and it's like, you know, the tropes from most TV shows or movies where when the when the bad evil thing dies, all the magical spells are released and all that shit. So yeah, Scar is gone. That means that Dark and Rawl is dead. Well, we, we must know that must be the end of, I mean, all of it, because there's only two books in the series, like we were just saying. Oh, of course. So, so yeah, <laughs> that must be it. That's the end of the troubles, guys. <laughs> so outside the garden, General Trimac tells Richard his lightning killed all of the enemy troops, all the dudes that were surrounding them. The lightning blasted out of the garden of life and like killed all the bad guys, specifically the bad guys. Yeah. The people who chose to stay on Richard's side, they were fine. Yeah. Trimac is like, dude, it was so badass. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, Zed told me that there was a spell going all through this palace. I didn't believe it, but lightning went all through the halls. It cut down all the bad guys, but the good guys had to stand up. It was so cool. Sir, level with me. Can I get your autograph? <laughs> <laughs> and Richard, he's he's so humble. He's like, dude, I don't even know what I did. I was in there. So, you know, whatever. Yeah, he's like, literally, no idea when that happened. (laughs) (laughs) And unfortunately, Trimac also tells Richard that most of the day is passed at this point. He was there first thing in the morning, dawn. And now it's late afternoon. So, I mean, 
We can take a guess, but he's probably been at work eight, ten hours. Which, it just makes you wonder which parts were, like, extended. You know what I mean? Because they talked for, like, not very long. Like, a couple lines were exchanged. That's all. Was there, like, a very long extended stare at each other moment while he was floating that stuff? Like, (laughs) did that happen over a half an hour when he was floating the screen bone to his hand? I want to say it was probably Richard using the lightning on Dark and Raw. He was he was using the gift. He was in the zone. And normally we know when he tries to touch his Han, like a lot of time goes by. That's true. But from Trimax's point of view, it made it seem like the lightning came all at once late in the battle. Like they had fought all fucking day. Yeah. And then suddenly they were gone. So I don't know. Maybe they had tea, <laughs> hung out, smoked a peace pipe, tried to work out their problems, didn't do that. And then they fought. It just makes it a little bit more comical. Like, if you were to uh, play a movie at, like, half speed and imagine that that was what, how they were actually doing things, and you're just like, oh, this isn't, this isn't as entertaining. I'll tell you what they did. They had an ent moot. Yeah. <laughs> just, it just took a long time to say everything they felt like they needed to say. Because it was all important. Yeah. <laughs> So, led by Mord Sith and followed by soldiers, Richard races back to Scarlet. Richard tells the soldiers to protect her until she heals. She saved all of your candy asses. Scarlet saved the day because she got me here and I saved the day. So, this dragon, you all owe this dragon. Protect her like she was me. Y'all better get up some, some orange fencing, block it off. This is a dragon zone now. Oh, yeah. Uh, She lives here now. So she's going to need to eat three of you per day. (laughs) Just so you know. And I don't know. Maybe she would be hungry because Scarlet reveals that this whole time she's been pregnant. And her weakness isn't necessarily due to the fact that she was, I don't know, shot out of the sky at the beginning of this chapter. But she just gave birth and she has a brand new egg. Okay. Hold on. I just want to say something. To our knowledge, the only dragon that anybody has seen or talked about at all in any of these books is Scarlet and her baby. Her baby, Gregory? Gregory. Right. Okay. So, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe Scarlet is flying off to some distant lands and getting some dragon booty. But we do know for sure that she's also spent some time with Richard. Okay. Oh, oh no. Okay. So I'm just saying, uh, we don't. Okay. We're really we're going down this path, huh? Yeah, yeah. It, it's either a Richard Dragon hybrid egg, or oh, maybe like, or maybe it's an incest. I don't know. Maybe like, you know, her bait. I don't know. They should maybe mention. <laughs> I can hear it in your voice. Take a breath. <laughs> they should maybe mention sightings of other dragons if if we're just gonna be like yep pregnant again because like (laughs) she just gave birth to the other baby not that long ago like he just hatched like months ago it wasn't that long ago when when the baby hatched at the end of the at the beginning of this book well it's either magic or when a daddy dragon and a mommy dragon love each other very very much they uh hug or when a mommy dragon sees, <laughs> you know, a seeker without his pants on, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. I don't, I don't even know how to. Nope. You're just going to have to sit with that one. I don't know. I'm just saying, 
Terry didn't give us many other options to figure out the the paternity of these of these dragons. That's I all think I'm there, saying. There must be other dragons that we're just not aware of. I would like to see them. That's all. It's not That's as all. fun of an answer. But... <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's a hint of truth in it. <laughs> so the soldiers bring Richard a horse and a map to Aidendrill because he's got to get there as quick as he can, so, even though he's not going to make it. Yeah, he's gone from dragon to horse. A dragon will take a couple of hours tops. A horse is going to take weeks. Crazy time difference. Like weeks. Yeah. Yeah. There's... It's done. He's obviously going there just to clean up afterwards at this point, Ew. but it's all he can do. Yeah. I'm sorry. That was a shitty turn of phrase to use just there, but also true. Richard gives the soldiers instructions to continue guarding the Garden of Life, and then he races away as fast as he can. Yeah, basically to not a happy ending, I'm assuming. No, I don't think he's going there at this point with any intent to save Caitlin. I mean, maybe on chance. It's certainly higher if he goes and tries to save her than if he doesn't try at all. And just assume she's dead. That's not going to serve. So this is like, this is all he has. One way or another, he's either going to find Caitlin or he's going to find the person that killed Kalen and then kill that person. And then anybody that's ever spoken to that person probably going to get killed, too. Yeah, I guess that would be what he's going for at this point, even if he doesn't realize that's what he's going for is like vengeance. Vengeance, exactly. <laughs> Somebody's got to pay. And I would not want to be on the receiving end of that. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that does it for this chapter, guys. Thank you so much for joining us i know it was a late release are bad <laughs> it happens sometimes things being what they are but we certainly appreciate you guys for being here with us today if you wanted to let us know what you thought of this episode you can by writing an email to podcastatt at gmail.com or hitting us up on social media we're on facebook and instagram at podcastatt and on Twitter at podcast underscore ATT. Now, if you enjoyed the show and you want to help support us, you can. You can go to patreon.com slash podcast ATT and make a pledge there. We appreciate the hell out of it. So once again, I'll say thank you guys for listening, and we will see you real soon. <laughs> Bye!